Welcome to the Faith and Focus podcast. I am your host, Gabriel Schreiner, here with a very special friend. We uh, our, our special guest, he, he's been my friend for just about five-ish it's, years. It's been about five years. But I'd say he's one of my closest friends, by all means, and it's just been such a quick and, and deepening relationship in some very short amount of time. I mm. guess today, his name is Kevin Duguay, and I'm really excited for everyone that's going to listen to this because... Uh, his story is kind of what you hear in movies, and it has a lot to do with <laughs> movies, but it's one of those things where, man, I, it is just a complete change. And we were talking before we started recording how mm. like God tore the veil off his eyes. And so I've, I'm so encouraged by his story. I know that you guys will be too. Um, but before we get too far into his story, I'm going to let Kevin kind of tell you a little bit about himself, a quick little bio of where he's at, what he's doing in life right now. Um, well, first, Gabriel, thank you so much for inviting me onto the show. It's an extremely generous and nice introduction. Um, yeah, no, G Gabriel, um, we met in college, in Bible college, and um, we hit it off. I think both being AG definitely was a, the thing that connected us in the beginning. Um, but just so grateful to be here. Um, yeah, my name is Kevin. I currently serve as the uh, campus pastor at Mid-America Christian University, small Christian college in Southwest OKC. Um, that's where we went to school. And um, it's been a blast. And uh, if I don't sound like I'm from Oklahoma, it's because I'm from New Jersey, yep, yep. which is a little different from Oklahoma, just a little just bit. A little bit. But um, it's it's been a blessing getting to be here. Yeah, man. So yeah, he's... Is it okay if I say something about your family? Please, okay? yeah, please. So he's married to a wonderful woman named Linda. They yes. Have, uh, their child, Wilder, <laughs> and his his name's held up to reputation. Oh, we, we set ourselves up pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, he, wild he is, yeah. um, but nah, he, he's great. He's, um, he, he is, you learn so much, and Gabriel, you know this, about, um, about who God is when you have a kid. That is and for sure. Yeah. Yeah, they're a blessing, but man, they have been such a challenge. One one thing you've actually told me before mm -hmm. we go any further is um, uh, you were like, so Linda's my wife. Like yeah. she's my number one. Yeah. And like I treat her as Christ loved the church. Yeah. And if we're viewing it in that, then the children that we have are like the disciples yeah. of Jesus. And that's just been so encouraging to me because I look at my daughter and mm -hmm. I think, wow. Like I'm, I just get to pour into her and yeah. teach her yeah. as a parent because a lot of times I've heard it said that they, um, they look at you kind of like a God figure before you mm. introduce God into their life and before you bring them to church and they understand who God is. Like sure. you are kind of in that like all powerful person role. I mean, you're not, but like the way that they love you is oftentimes translated oh, yeah. in their early years, how they love God. And so I, it's been encouraging. It's also challenging in the same way. Oh yeah. But yeah. So I love him and his family. They have blessed, oh. um, Carney and assembly or Carney assembly of God with their ministry and, and Kevin being a, a worship pastor there at a time, associate pastor. Yeah. I was worship pastor for a while. And then, um, when I graduated, um, about two years after I served as the associate pastor yeah. um, during the pandemic. So great time to like be introduced, like full-time ministry mm -hmm. is like during mm -hmm. COVID. Yep. And um, yeah, Linda's been served. Get this. Linda's been the youth pastor at Carney first assembly for almost nine years. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Almost nine years, which like is cool. almost unheard of these days of, of someone yeah. serving for that long, that faithfully. In one um, church. Yes. Yes. And so, um, that's a huge inspiration to me that Linda's longevity, um, and faithfulness to, to a congregation. I think there's, there's, you know, Aaron Wolf. Yeah. Yes. Aaron Wolf, yeah. So Aaron Wolf, <laughs> he said, consistency will beat ability every single time. Oh, that's so good. Every that's so true. Single time. It's true. And it's, yeah, it's so true. Like you could be the best youth pastor, but if you're not there and you're consistent and stable, like forget it. And, and that's for any pastor. That's no, no, it's true. For anything. For anything. Honestly. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> We're talking about ability, talking about talent. That's all I like. That's oh, for you. I see. Segway. You know, segway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, so, yeah, well, that is a good segue. I like it. So we're actually going to take the time and uh, let Kevin tell us a little bit about his BC before Christ came in his life. And uh, man, it's going to be so good. I'm so excited. So yeah. Well, I'll lower you your expectations. Uh, whoever's listening. Stop. <laughs> um, no, it's. And you'll, you'll realize after you hear who I was before Jesus, it is a miracle that I would even 
be a pastor, let alone a, you know, a, a Christian. And so, yeah, so I, I'm from North New Jersey, about 20 minutes outside of Manhattan. And uh, my parents, my mom is from Japan. My dad's from the Philippines. They uh, immigrated um, and they met in New York, had me. And so uh, I grew up in a predominantly white town in North New Jersey. Uh, I believe we were one of the first Asian families of Hasbrokites, New Jersey. And that in itself was a challenge. Uh, English is my second language. Uh, brought food to school that may have been seen as weird, um, looked very different, um, was struggling with the nuances of English and just the English language in general. And so I, f- I felt like I grew up always grew up always wanting friends, wanting um, community and all that, but it was it was hard for me. And uh, as I got older, you know those insecurities uh, did not get better. When I was in middle school and high school, insanely insecure. Um, I never felt man enough, didn't feel Japanese or Filipino enough or American enough, uh, didn't feel strong enough, competent enough, brave enough, all of it. It was just so insecure. And when I was 11 years old, my family figured out that I really enjoyed being on stage and that I was a decent singer. And I remember telling them that uh, I was just watching. Did you ever? Are you are you too young for Drake and Josh? Oh, my oh, bread and butter, okay, okay, dude. Okay. Drake and Josh is like my favorite oh, show. I was like, so good. Yeah, and so, so I good. I wanted to do that. I was like, man, I want to be on this kind of show. I feel like that's really fun. It's really funny. And my parents kind of treated it as okay, it's a phase. Kevin just wants yeah. to be on TV, like right. typical little kid stuff. Right. And um, I was kind of just kept going out. Like, no, I think I really want to do this stuff. And so my mom put me in an acting class in New York City, and I got, it went from wanting to be on TV to, no, I actually love this. I love acting. I love music. I love all these things. And I signed with my first agent um, when I was 12 years old. And my first audition, which is, you know, interestingly enough, um, an English educational video, DVDs for Japanese schools back in Japan. That that makes sense. I auditioned for it, my first audition, and I booked it. And so I was like, whoa, yeah, I did. Wow, okay. And so um, thus started, like, my parents like, oh, Kevin might actually realistically be able to do this. So we'll keep investing in him. So they always put me in acting classes and... um, I hate talking about it like this sometimes because it sounds so arrogant, but anytime I would audition for an acting class, um, it would be like, you know, we would love if you were in our master class. Like you just, you do this stuff very well. And anytime I would audition for a musical, I would often get the lead just because they said you sing very well. And so now I was gaining a lot of traction as a very young person and it came to the point where, no, this was something, I wasn't someone who was trying to act. Now as an older teenager, like I was missing school to film episodes of TV shows on soap operas or Sesame Street or commercials or um, all kinds of stuff. And this was just my life. Yep. Everything surrounded my acting career and music career. What I ate, how much I ate, how much I worked out, what my body looked like, how much I slept, my skincare routine. In itself, which was a lot of money put into that. Wow. Um, yeah, my, my friends who want to go out, so I have an audition in the morning. I have to get this many hours of sleep. Um, I, the way my hair looked, the, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, my parents, and what a lot of people don't know, for young actors, their families, they are investing so much. Yeah into their children. Think about like, um, athletes who are, who their parents are super serious. It's, it's just like that. Sometimes maybe even more investment. Uh, my parents would have to take off to drive me to auditions. Uh, it's all, all kinds of stuff like that. And then when I graduated high school, um, my mom's boss got laid off. So she did also, and they gave me this option. I was about to go to the number two acting college in um, the country, they had like a 12% acceptance rate. Whoa. And, um, I was about to go there, super excited. Um, and then my, this opportunity happened. My mom asked, you know, we've talked about going to LA for a while and this would be the time to do it if we were to do it. Yeah. And that's what I opted for. That's cool. So I moved to LA, lived there for a year, um, booked a few things here and there, really made really good, um, 
connections, yep. but then came back to the East coast to, um, sign with a new agent and manager. And from then on, uh, I started to get called in for a lot of really big projects. Um, and so, and, and I've told you about some of them, but mm-hmm. like the new Power Rangers movie, the Twilight series, um, iCarly as Freddy, uh, Austin and Allie as Austin, um, the Maze Runner, which was, which just to, to pause for a second, most times when I watch something, I'm like, okay, that person was better for the role than me. I watched the Maze Runner. I was like, no, like I was better than that person for yep. that role. Yep. Otherwise I'm like, okay, that was a better person for this role. That was the right. one movie I'm like tiny bit salty about um the blacklist audition for hamilton I, I mean and glee i just so many things the list is so long and then i remember in my acting classes um you know my friends would always be like you know, Kev, kevin's the one who's going to be famous out of all of us and like yep. kevin like remember us when you're famous like kind of joking around funny enough a lot of those people they're famous. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, I see yeah, them yeah. on Netflix. Um, one of them is, is in the, the new Disney movie elemental. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Bro, me bro that, this yeah. is crazy. Like these people were like, were thinking I was going to make it. It's just so funny. Yeah. And, um, and what I, what I told you about this before was being so insecure, being so even with friends, even with my family, even with, um, everything, I just never felt good enough. And I found something that made me feel good enough, made me feel like I had a place, something I was good at. And I was like, this is my purpose. This is who I am. I am good at acting. I am good at singing. And people love me when I'm on stage. Like, this must be what I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And people talk about, like, fame and glory. Like, I was in, like, I was auditioning against celebrities at this point in my acting career when I was, um, in my late teens, early twenties. Um, and I would be these big name studios, like were calling me in, which is like, you just don't go audition for a role just cause you feel like it. you get to literally get called in for yeah. these kinds of roles. And, um, producers, casting directors, acting coaches in New York city and LA, they're very much like, no, for Kevin, it's not if he becomes famous, it's really just when. Yeah. And, um, so I was, I was riding this ride and what I thought was the biggest blessing and strength of my life actually became the greatest crutch for my insecurity. Yep. Instead of um, addressing and, and healing from my brokenness, I just found something that was going to distract me away from it, something that was going to make me shine and be loved by people. When it comes to fame and glory, it was, it was never like the money. It was yep. very much like I did it. Mm-hmm. I could do it. And like yep. all these people love me and I'm finally getting what I want community and acceptance and worth and value. And so, um, and at this time, like I didn't want a girlfriend. I was single. I was partying. I was hooking up with all kinds of girls. I was getting drunk. I was getting high. Uh, And part of that is not because like I was this crazy young person. This was just normal in the culture I was living in. Yeah. And, um, and in my head, all was going well. I was doing quote unquote what I want and I was doing everything well, and my acting career was like so close to just exploding. Yeah. And, um, but on the inside, I was a wreck. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, I was dealing with so much anxiety and depression and um, identity issues, and obviously still worth and value issues. And uh, my life was good or bad, depending on how good my acting career was going. And so that that's pretty much the gist of who I was before Jesus. Okay. Yeah. So, so for a lot of people, there's a couple of things I wanted to address is, yeah. is for a lot of people, there's this, um, you know, people would be like, I was addicted to drugs. I yeah. was addicted to alcohol. I was addicted to porn yeah. or, or whatever it was. And for you, like, I'm not going to say you weren't, but sure. when you were drinking and getting high yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and getting just plastered and mm-hmm. hooking up with chicks, it seems to me in the way that you describe it is like the biggest hole in your life was the, like a hole of insecurity. Oh yeah. And Absolutely. it wasn't, it wasn't, you weren't trying to fill it with alcohol. You weren't no. trying to fill it with drugs. You weren't trying to fill it with girls, but you were trying to fill that hole with acceptance from others. Oh, a hundred percent. And, um, I definitely wrestled with when I was young, there were so many girls who would say, you know, um, 
the reason why they wouldn't want to date me is because I was Asian. Or like the best compliment was, oh, like Kevin's like good looking for like an Asian. For an Asian. And like that, it's crazy. Like to this day, I'm, I'm still like, when Linda's like, oh my gosh, like you look so handsome today. I'm like, I'm in my head, I'm like, do you really think that? Like yeah. it's just so ingrained in my mind right. and I'm still healing from from some of that. But definitely seeking affirmation from women was a huge thing for me. Oh, okay, Abs- yeah. Absolutely. And um, it reminds me of Blaise Pascal's quote when he says, um, there's a, a God-sized vacuum in the heart of every man that we try to fill with all kinds of things, but can only be filled um, by God through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And like that was just a, a vacuum that just would never be satisfied for me. And yep. um, But yeah, no, the, the partying stuff, that was just normal. It wasn't like... Right. I was an addict. It was just, that's just what you did. Yeah. That's just the, the acting oh, culture. The that and just scene. honestly like North Jersey, New York city culture. That's just what you did. Oh, okay. It was normal. Yeah. There was no shame around it at all. It was just, that's just what you did. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. So I think knowing the insecurity that you had yeah. and like how you filled it. But one thing I want to go back to is mm-hmm. that we've had multiple conversations about how, and you scanned over it, and I think, and you always hit it, but it's this idea that you were you were never enough, yeah. and you would constantly like you have this insecurity of not fitting in, mm-hmm. and you'd and you're saying that acting's a crutch. So in the same way that you're really good at acting and and singing and doing the musicals mm-hmm. and acting and in shows and and episodes and things, you were also being told, in a sense, it kind of sounds like that you were being told in your insecurity that you're not good enough. And I remember multiple times you saying like, oh, he's not Asian enough. Or oh, he's yeah. not white enough. Or yeah, he's yeah, not. Yeah. And so how does that, like, how did that, how does the dichotomy of like, this is what I'm supposed to do. And then going to auditions and them telling you like, oh, but you didn't, you're not good enough the way that you are. How does that feed right. into like the insecurity as you grew up? You know, it's crazy. Like you would think that would play a big role, but I feel like I just knew that well, that's just show business. You know what I mean? So it was never really like, and maybe a part of me, there was that. Now I will say, um, and for those of you who have ever seen me, um, you're, you may be wondering like, what ethnicity is Kevin? And Mm. like, that's what a lot of casting directors are thinking and have said. And, um, especially when I was acting now, which is like about 10 years ago, um, ethnically ambiguous like is not stereotypical so right. you know when you think of asians um they were just getting certain kinds of roles either like thugs or nerds yeah you know what i'm saying yeah. and if you saw someone who like weightlifted a little bit like oh they were like a jock or a bully right and i mean you know me gabriel like i'm goofy you know what yeah. i'm saying yeah, like yeah, i'm yeah. goofy i'm lighthearted. um and so yeah i mean most like i most times when I get called into auditions, they were like these really intense, strong roles or like I, I got called into audition for like a rapist on Law and Order SVU. You know what I'm saying? Really? Like, oh yeah. And like I was just perceived partially because of my ethnicity, partially because of my size. By the way, like most male actors are just really, really, really skinny dudes. Yep. And so on camera, like if I was in a cast of Maze Runner, mm-hmm. like I like some friends with some of those actors I would look gigantic on screen, which really? I'm like an average sized person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're in not, real yeah, life. You're not like a giant person. No, but yeah. like, and I also weightlifted a lot more when I was an actor. Yeah, but like, next to just my buddies that I know I see on screen, I'm like, oh, I would be huge. Yeah. I'm like taller than all of them and like wider than all of them. Really? Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. so, um, which is not so like in TV, like yeah. that's not your stereotypical Asian. No, like you're really small shoulders, really yeah. like pale skin. Yeah. And, and so like in that point, you didn't really fit the role. I didn't that. really fit anything. Like I auditioned for Hispanic roles. I auditioned for, um, really my best shot was always going to be like ethnically ambiguous or like all races, which, which if that label was on it, I was like, okay, I have a shot. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> I got said it. Asian. I'm like, I don't know if like, cause people say like, you could have been Shang-Chi if you still acted as like, do I look like a Shang-Chi though? Like, well, yeah, you kind of don't like compared to like, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Like, Like, I hate to sound like that, but, um, but that's the thing in Hollywood. Like he looks, he's Chinese, yeah, full Chinese. So he, he could be that role. Like, um, and you're half Filipino and yeah, Filipino and Japanese. And so like, I feel like if maybe a Hawaiian movie, I have a pretty decent shot, shot, you know, but, um, yeah, I, I, I do remember this one time. 
um, I'm just really driven and motivated and dedicated. And so it really, really didn't bother me that I wasn't booking roles sometimes, but there was this one moment where I just broke down. I was like, I work so hard and I just feel like none of this is like working out. Yeah. And so, um, and I remember like, I'm just not blank enough ever. Mm -hmm. And, but I, I feel like I was able to separate that, um, from my personal life, um, as an actor but it, yeah, it was hard. I, there was this part, um, this thought in my head that always was thinking, then there's never going to be an opportunity for you to fit into a role ever because you're just so different. And so, you know, now that you're saying it, maybe there was something in me that struggled with an insecurity, even like I can't even fit in here. Yeah. But that was what you were so good at. I know you were chasing it. Yeah. So it's like this tension of like, you're awesome at it, but like maybe there's not a place for you in yeah. it. And, and as hard as you tried and as, yeah. because really though. So one thing I really want to highlight and, I, yeah. and you've highlighted it, but like some of the movies you were like getting casted for mm. or getting called in for, mm. you were like, what was it? Uh, maze runner. Yeah. Big, bo- big box office. You got what, the new power Rangers movie. Um, you, you mentioned law order SC, SV, or, yeah. yeah, SVU. And like, when they say when you get famous, yeah, like there's <laughs> there's kids that are like, I want to be famous, I want to be an influencer, yeah. or Instagram influ- yeah. and they're like, I just want to be there. Yeah, and they go to college, they get a business degree, and they're stuck in an office. The rest, but like you, I, I, and you say the the story. You're a sixth grader, yeah, twelve years old, yeah. You're a sixth grader, and you were getting parts in in big time stuff. Yeah, I was in in acting like. In any other context, it's like you're successful at getting hired if you get hired in the acting world just to step into certain offices like, oh, you're you're in that pool of actors where you mm-hmm. get to get called in to this office. Yeah. Um, Bernard and Tel- uh, sorry, Telsey and Company, which is a um, this huge Broadway casting office in New York City, they only call in certain people. Right. They've called me in all the time. Um, that's where I auditioned for Hamilton. Yeah. And um, we're like... I walked into the audition room and Lynn Manuel Miranda was just sitting there and I was like, Whoa, got nervous all of a sudden. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, okay. Like this dude is like mega famous. Yeah. And, uh, by the way, nicest dude ever. Oh, um, good. and just to hear him say, wow, you're, you're fantastic. Yeah. It was just like, Whoa, this is like kind of surreal, um, yeah. at the moment. And, uh, yeah, no, uh, there's, I just know a lot of people who want to be famous and I'm like, number one, you have no idea what that actually looks like. Yeah. Uh, number two, um, I've touched it in terms yeah. of like, I was in the, the circles with people who were, um, I have friends currently now who kept acting who now are. Yeah. And so, um, like I, I just sometimes, especially if I don't know that person, I'm just like, gosh, um, I would, I, I hope you, you could just see that this is all just a bunch of baloney. Like this is all just like something that we created to entertain ourselves with. Like this is not real life. You know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. But you know, so I, I see so you say that. And, and I think something in there is what is the cost? I think you alluded to it. Like Oof. what you ate, what you drank, what you weighed, what yeah. you did, like what was the cost? Because you, you're in it. Yeah. Like for anybody listening that's thinking like, oh, he wasn't. No, he was in it. Yeah. Like 100% in the real time. I was. About to be famous at any point. Mm-hmm. And like, what was the cost? Uh, I hate to sound dramatic, but um, your soul. <laughs> like, okay. I hate to sound dramatic. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, when, when uh, you talk about in both the Old and New Testament, um, the word soul is like the, the seed of all your desires, your will, your direction, your purpose, your plan. Um, you surrender that as an actor because the question, Gabriel, is what are you willing to do to um, land that role? Yeah. I was willing to do anything. Um, I auditioned for characters who were um, had literally like homosexual activity scenes. And I was like, it's just acting and like yeah. this, this, this is a TV show and I, I, this could actually help my career. Like that was my thought process. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, your values and I, this is just me. Um, I can't speak for every actor, but it was just like, I will do basically anything. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure there, there are actors out there who have a lot more 
character integrity than I did. But, um, for me, it was like, no, like this is, this is what you do. And, um, and so what, what a lot of people don't know, a studio will release, um, something called a character breakdown to casting directors. And what it is, is like, um, male, early twenties, um, Caucasian must be over six foot one, um, muscle definition, funny, charming, um, yada, yada, yada. That's a character breakdown. And so they send that to, um, they'll, they'll call agents, Mm -hmm. um, these casting offices and be like, do you have anyone like this? Yeah, I do actually. I'll send over, um, four or five guys. Okay. And then they go and audition. And so, um, but did you notice how objectifying those were? Absolutely. Yeah. You, <laughs> you literally just sound like where I'm at in Jones. Like we, yeah. we judge pigs and that's like, Oh yeah. Wow. Great Hawks. Like <laughs> certain class. Yes. You know, like they're literally just treat and oh, as bad yeah. as it sounds, you're just like a piece of meat. Like you're just oh, like yeah. somebody that they can customize. Yeah. For the show. Oh yeah. I mean, I worked out. So I was like, take off your shirt ready. And I've taken my shirt off in auditions and cool. like projects. And um, it's way worse for women, as you can imagine. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've read character breakdowns for women where I was like, oh my gosh, that, yeah. that's horrible. Yeah. Um, you know, it's crazy remembering I was in a class with a young lady who was a Christian. Okay. Um, and I remember the acting coach said, if you really want to get better and also get better roles, you need to explore like your sexuality more and not be afraid of that. And this girl was from like Pennsylvania, Mm -hmm. um, grew up in Christian home her whole life. And like eventually just kind of went with the flow of what the acting culture was and just, you know, it's like surrendered uh, now, now this acting career, like, well, I put everything into it. I'll do whatever I need to do. And looking back as a Christian now, I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. And so the cost is everything. Um, me and this, um, you, you know, Marcellus Coleman from, uh, oh, yeah. who served yeah, in yeah, victory yeah. family church yeah, yeah. for forever. Um, he, he and I agreed that like, music and acting is kind of similar in this way. You could be insanely talented, mm-hmm. insanely hungry and work extremely hard. And that just gives you a sliver of the tiniest chance to maybe make it. Wow. Statistically, right. it, you, you have a better chance winning the lottery than becoming a famous actor. Statistically, and you were pretty, but you had in, in for you like you had people who knew their stuff were like, no, he's gonna make it. Well, I, I'll, it's and like it wasn't arrogance because like, you know me like I, I generally don't like to talk up about myself, but right. with acting, mm-hmm. um, I confidently can say like anytime I was sitting in a room full of actors, I was probably gonna be one of the best, if not the best actor in the room. Boy, I can, um, and I've been in like workshops with other actors where me and a casting director would work in front of all these other actors and like, hey, read this scene. I'll read it for the first time and just break down crying, be believable. And the, ca- and the casting director would be like, wow. And all the, in, in front of a bunch of other actors watching yeah. and judging me. Yeah. And like I'm watching other actors before me and after me and like afterwards in the elevators, the actors would be like, man, you are, you are good. I'm like, I appreciate it. Like, it, it was just something I was good at, something yeah. I devoted my whole life to, Gabriel. Like, I didn't just wake up. It wasn't like a Johnny Depp thing where I just wake up, I'm a good actor. I hustled hard. Yeah. Plus, I believe there was some gift attached to it. Absolutely. And it gave me the, the chance to have the opportunities that I did and getting called in by who I was called into. And um, in my secular mind back there, I earned it. Yeah, I absolutely. worked hard. Yeah. And uh, it was my life, but it cost everything. Yeah everything so yeah and, and and you're right like and i think it, it costs you everything your time your money your talents yeah. your energy you're you literally broke it down to what you eat how much you sleep i worshipped it yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> i worshipped it if you want to call it religious yeah yeah man that's crazy so you were losing lost your soul or you were basically like hey my soul's for hire yeah and so now here comes a, a beautiful girl oh, yeah. from central Oklahoma <laughs> named Linda. Yeah. Let's get into God's that. God's prophet. I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So I'll tell the long story of this, this, which please. is not that long, but it's funny. Yeah. yeah um, please do. There's just, 
I call it long because there's a lot of explaining. It's one of my favorite things. Well, okay. So Instagram was the place where a lot of actors, musicians were bringing all their content to get some sort of social media following. Yeah. Right now, like I feel like everyone, business, church, actors, um, social media is like the place you want to have some sort of real estate in. Mm-hmm. Um, back then, this was just starting. Like, hey, it would be a good idea if you had Instagram or this yeah. would be a good idea if you had Twitter. Um, and so I got an Instagram and I started posting covers of me singing, um, gave updates on my career, like just like people follow my life to gain a following because that was actually helping actors because um, casting offices would be like, oh, wow, this person like actually kind of already has a following. Yeah, yeah. And so I was trying to develop that and I was just posting covers of me singing, playing guitar and it was very clear I wanted attention if you took a look at my page. <laughs> at spicy Kevin roll was the Instagram I handle. I, um, I know it haunts me. Uh, it just <laughs> followed me even though it's gone. It's still the same. spicy Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, me and so I, I followed this uh, guitarist's account. Um, and he was just insane. And, uh, this video he was shredding and I come to like, bro, like you're insane. It's awesome. Um, thanks for posting. And, uh, Linda, in Oklahoma just sees my comment. We don't know each other, but she says, who would name their Instagram handle spicy Kevin roll? Like basically like what tool, so you know what I'm saying? So like does that. Yeah, what? And she clicked on my page and she, she said her first thought was, gosh, like this dude's like so into himself and like he just wants attention. And she, but she pauses on a video where I'm actually just playing guitar, I'm not singing. It's like an instrumental cover of the song Let Her Go by Passenger. And I had just been heartbroken. Um, my, my heart was broken in a million pieces by this one girl. And um, I post this video, and it's so ironic that Linda finds that video. Mm-hmm. And she comments on it, it's like, wow, this is really good. I ignore it just because strangers have commented on my videos before. And right. then she, she comments on a few of my posts. And I was like, huh. So I click on her page and I was like, whoa, this girl's really pretty. <laughs> and I posted on one of her pictures like, you're super attractive. And then she says, do you just tell all girls on Instagram that they're attractive? And I was like, whoa, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I was like, actually, I don't talk to strangers on the internet usually. And then she just continues to just like um, roast me. And, I'm, and I, so I just messaged her. I'm like, bro, like, what's your deal? Yeah. And she's like, I'm just kidding. And I was like, okay. where, where are you, where are you from? And she said, um, I'm from Oklahoma. And I was like, oh, I would, I'm literally never going to meet this person in my life, yeah, yeah. which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we just get to talking. He's like, Oh, well, I'm from New Jersey. And, uh, we talk for a long time. And then for whatever reason, like, we follow each other on Instagram and we just start just talking to each other. Not like anything weird. It's just like, I like talking to her. She seems to like talking to me. And we just talk about life. And this happens for, I want to say a year. Just like every so often we would just kind of talk about where we're from. And obviously we had a lot to talk about because Oklahoma is very different from New Jersey, New York. And I'm like, man, if this girl lived closer, I would actually really like to hang out with this person. Like she's just awesome. And I think I'm starting to like her. And she actually says, hey, I'm taking a vacation in New York City. Would you mind showing my family around? And I was thinking, no, <laughs> like I, you, number one rule, of the internet, yep. you don't meet people from the internet, Especially right? Especially from Oklahoma. Ex- yeah. And like, I don't know if you're a catfish. I don't know. If, yeah, I don't even know absolutely. if you're a woman, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Oh boy. Um, and we did FaceTime, but still I was like, you just never know. Yeah, yeah, you never this could have, be yeah. like a front or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to meet this person. Like I don't want my organs harvested and sold in the black yeah. market. Yeah, you just exactly. never know. <laughs> but somehow I was like, I'm going to go meet her. Yeah. Which, like, it's crazy. If Wilder ever did that, I would never let him. Yeah. <laughs> Even yeah, though that's yeah, how yeah. I met Linda. Why did my parents let me do that? And, um, but I remember I, I waited for her in the hotel, and I was just so nervous. I'm like, I'm actually going to meet this person, and, like, I kind of like her. And she comes out of the elevator. I'm like, oh, my gosh. She's beautiful and real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and real. And uh, I take her out to dinner, and uh, we come back to the hotel. And I plan on staying until, like, 10 or 11. I got to yeah. work the next day. Yeah. We, we sit on the bench in front of the hotel till 4 a.m. talking. 4 a.m. Just talking. Yeah. And I'm like, I've never felt like this about a person in my life. Like, the, the feeling was, I want to be in this person's life. I want this person to be in my life. Yeah. And 
I just never met someone as honest and generous and sincere and someone who cares about justice and other people as much as Linda ever. And I took off like two more days of work just to hang out with her in the city, yeah. just to run around with this girl from Oklahoma. And saying goodbye was easily one of the hardest things ever. So I asked her, would you be open to doing like long distance? And she said, yeah, I would. And during that conversation on the, the bench, she asked me if I was a Christian. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, she asked me, bef- she asked me before, but I, I grew up Catholic. That's what yeah. you did in North Jersey. Yeah. It's just what you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I looked up one time, like, this is just how ignorant I was. Like, is Catholic the same as Christian? I had to Google that. Yeah. And like, from what I found, yes. So I told her, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah. I'm Catholic. Right. In my head, it made sense. Yeah. Obviously, looking back, I was not a Christian. Yeah, yeah, not even close. Uh, no, not even close. And she, um, and then I think she learned when we talked for a long time that I definitely wasn't a Jesus follower. Mm-hmm. And, you know, where I'm from, religion was just a personal preference. Like, if you, there was something you liked about this religion, that's what you did. Yeah. It wasn't your life like mm-hmm. it is as, like, following Jesus is. Yeah. And so I was like, this girl really believes that all this stuff is real, like hardcore. And I told her like, I don't know if I believe like that, but, um, I respect that. Yeah. And so now we're long distance dating. And every time I visit or every time we get on a phone call, God just comes up. Yeah. Cause I have questions. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how do you explain that this is real? How do you explain that this happened in the Bible? How do you explain that this is who God says he is if this happens? You know, the typical questions. Yeah. And she, just being on fire for Jesus, had just a beautiful answer for all of it. Yeah. And I was just, every time she would answer a question, I'm like, hmm, interesting. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. Interesting. I need to think okay. about that. This might change my life. Yeah. And it came to this point where I ran out of questions. Boy. And I was wrestling with this idea, if all of this is real, this will change everything. And I said, I want to believe because all this sounds great. Um, Because when we would go fishing, um, every time I would visit, she would tell me about Jonah and David and Joseph and Genesis. And I just said, do you have any more Bible stories? Because like I'm moved by them. And then she tells me about Jesus who died for my sins. And I said, like, I just don't even know if I'm good enough to like uh, be a Christian. And she said, that's the thing. That's why Jesus died. And then I said, even if any of this was real, Linda, why would God love me that much? And she said, he just does. And so I was just thinking, this is just way too good to be true. This can't be real. And um, she said, why don't you pray? Pray? Yeah. Like, like actually talk to God? I said, yeah. (laughs) And I was like, okay. So I remember laying in my bed one night and I was like, okay, this is really weird, but I'll pray. And I just like was staring at my ceiling. I was like, God, if you're real, um, I ask that you help me, I don't know, see you, hear you. And um, I am trusting you as best as I can to know that you're real. Amen. You know what happened? Nothing. Hey, <laughs> nothing. On. Come <laughs> like, on, come on. Absolutely nothing. Silence. Yeah. And I was like, I felt so stupid, but yeah. so humbled. I was like, ask, like talking to someone beyond me, beyond this. And um, I was like, prayer doesn't work. This is stupid. Um, I feel dumb, but I still like, I'm interested about this Christianity stuff. And um, I said earlier, I used to have really bad anxiety in my early 20s. I had panic attacks a lot. And like, Mental illness wasn't being talked about in um, the 20 teens as it is now. Right. Um, and so, like, I was kind of wrestling alone with panic attacks. So one day, my heart started to race while I was at work, and I worked at a gym at the time. And I went to the bathroom. Like, I'm just going to sit down for three minutes. I'll chill out. My heart will slow down. I've had panic attacks before, even though, like, you know, when you have a panic attack, you just feel like you're dying for no reason. Yeah. And um, I was like, this, this, this will feel like hell, but it'll be done. And uh, I sat there and my heart started to slow down all of a sudden. And then I began to feel extremely warm. And 
this voice and like it like I don't know if it was in my ears it, it felt like it was coming out of my my stomach or my chest it said I did not create you for fame and glory I created you to have a relationship with you and for you to share that love with others and this was not the voice in my head this is not my conscious this was not like Kevin this was not me and I started to freak out and I was like I don't believe in God, but I'm pretty sure that's God talking to me. And I tell Linda, and she said, Kevin, that sounds a lot like God's talking to you. And so she like called all of her friends and family in church, told them, pray for Kevin right now. And all of a sudden, like, um, I saw visions of me singing in churches, preaching the gospel, feeding the homeless encouraging the brokenhearted with the message of Jesus. Things I would have never done in a million years. My family's not like, they're not, they weren't Jesus followers. None of my friends were Jesus followers. Like I didn't go to youth group. That wasn't a thing, you know? And I was like, but I remember in this whole situation in this bathroom, I felt so at peace, so happy and the best word I can explain how I felt was whole. And um, I, I remember thinking, I just want to feel this for forever, whatever this is. And I realized that feeling was God. And I'm not saying he's a feeling, he's a person, but like my interaction with him, my um, his presence in that bathroom was making me experience something I've never experienced before. And I told God, I said, I will follow you to the end of my day. Cause I remember there was this moment where I can leave this place, this bathroom and like, forget it. It has ever happened or I can follow Jesus. It was very clear. This was Jesus speaking to me in my heart. And, um, when I left that bathroom, it was like that scene in wizard of Oz and everything went from black and white to color. And I remember Linda asked me the day after she said, was that just the best day of your life or what? I said, no, it really felt like the first day of my life. And I felt like everything that mattered to me, everything that was going to sustain me, give me purpose, um, identity, worth, value, acting, didn't matter to me anymore. And everything that I wanted nothing to do with, I thought was fake nonsense. Jesus, the church, following him, that's all I wanted. And when I made that confirmation, I literally felt like a brand new person. And I told my family, they thought I went crazy. That, or Linda must have like manipulated me, you know, um, was I think their thought process. I told my friends, they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and um, they didn't really hang out with me a whole lot after that. And um, which kind of understandably I, I i feel like if if i was still be in bc kevin mode i would have probably been like okay bro like cool like um and i called my agents and managers acting coaches i told them all i was done acting and you can ask my family you can ask linda i would have never quit acting for anything or anyone nothing Nothing was going to stop me. I put too much into it. And there was so much at stake. And I was so close. And, um, but in that moment, it was very easy that I was going to live life with Jesus. And that was going to be way more than acting could have ever done for me. And so a year later, um, I really sensed that God wanted me to do ministry with Linda, just my long distance girlfriend. Mm -hmm. to move from New Jersey, to move to Oklahoma over 2000 miles to help her with her youth ministry in a small town in Oklahoma. And if you asked even Christians, like that sounds kind of like ridiculous. Like, yeah. well, maybe you should think about it or pray about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But this felt just very clear, like a very clear thing God wanted me to do. And my family did not like it, but I moved in 2016 to help to do just that. I went back to school um, I helped the church in any way I could and I started my walk with Jesus and it's, 
it's just been wild. And now I'm a pastor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like what? It's like God is hilarious. He really is. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's really all that happened. Man, that's so beautiful. I think there's so much in that because, like, just the conversations that you had with Linda and the yeah. conversation that you had with God, yeah. or rather, the conversation he had with you, mm-hmm. was it's just beautiful in the way that he does love us. And he knew, I, I think, and I've been thinking about this this whole time, is that you were at, the, I would say, at like the critical apex of your career. Oh, yeah. In one moment, yeah. in one call, you were abs- like, one, you were famous. You would have hit a movie with a big box office. You would have been in theaters everywhere. Kevin Duguay would have been a name that mm-hmm. people would have been calling even more than they already were. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting that... Linda starts hitting up spicy Kevin roll at that time <laughs> and ultimately infiltrates the your life, but it wasn't her. It was definitely Jesus. Oh yeah. And her having people pray for you. Oh and yeah. We've talked about in your BC that it was like you had a hole that oh, was yeah. being filled and you, the day of you say, I feel whole. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and I, for, for, the Jesus followers listening to this who may have a friend um, or family member, they've been trying to lead to Jesus. I remember, I think back to all the people who have tried to lead me to Jesus. And um, they all, it's like this summation of all these different people who are being Jesus to me. It all came together and Linda was the one who basically... um, brought me to home base, so to speak. Others brought me to like first base, second base, third base, but like, um, it may be discouraging. Like, well, I didn't lead them to Jesus or I I didn't like, they didn't change their mind during this argument or debate to like surrender their entire life to Jesus. Like that's not your job. Your job is to be faithful. Your job is to be Jesus. And, um, I know Linda's patience, kindness, and, um, prayer, all being empowered by the Holy spirit and God's word. Um, that definitely, played the biggest role in, in her kindly just inviting me to a life with Jesus. But, um, but yeah, man. And it's crazy. Someone asked me yesterday, do you ever miss it? And I said, there's not been a second since I've given my life to Jesus that I wanted to go back. But here lately, I told Linda, there is one role if some weird situation happened where I got called to audition for it, I would at Spider-Man. <laughs> and oh, I said, if, like, if I could audition for Spider-Man, that's like the one role I would consider like going back for. Because like, I love Spider-Man. He's like my favorite superhero. And otherwise, nah. <laughs> nah, you're out. Yeah. There'd yeah. have to be a lot of changes because exactly. they just like made Miles Morales. Uh-huh. So Tom obviously Holland, so like, the answer is there's nothing I would go back for, but like, I would just love to be Spider-Man or obviously like if there's Christian content, but even that man, like I, I just don't miss it. Yeah. Um, a life on my knee surrendered to Jesus is way better than a life on stage or in front of a camera. Man. And I remember thinking that, like, I love sitting in this pew, getting to have community with people who love me and who love Jesus and getting to worship him um, with this worship team and, and getting to learn about the word through this pastor. All of that is infinitely better than any sort of success I had in acting. And so the most discouraging thing that can that happens when I share my testimony is when like someone comes up to me and says, you know, I've actually been really trying to get into acting. What do I do? I was like, did you not listen to anything I just yeah, said? Yeah. Which I'm not like trying to demonize all acting. Right. But um, for me personally, my story, um, I haven't missed it at all. Yeah. I'm just, I'm blessed beyond anything I could have even fathomed just because of the fact that Jesus Christ died on a cross for my sins, which like, ugh, ridiculous yeah and um if, if nothing else oh my gosh like i'm i feel like the wealthiest person ever and i have since i gave my life to jesus and i i'm still like like yesterday i was just like crying reading wilder books i'm like i just the amount of things god has blessed me with even like even though i've run away from him my whole life is wild and the fact he trusts me to minister to others right now as a pastor is even more like god are you okay? Like, what are you doing, man? You know? And so, um, yeah, it's, it's been a wild, beautiful ride with, um, wonderful friends along the way, including, um, 
you. And it's, it's really great. Um, you and I both know, not even just being um, a pastor, but just being a Christian can be really um, tough. And so God has given me community, which is something I always wanted. Right. God has given me purpose and identity, which are all I ever wanted. And all I needed to do was trust him to provide that and not me seeking it myself. Yeah. So. And, and to say that, you, you, that's been like the, the highlight through this whole thing is, mm-hmm. and I, you've seen it in your life, the purpose that you wanted, mm-hmm. the, the, uh, the talent that you wanted and, and, the community that yeah. you said you were chasing so hard mm-hmm. to fit in and you had, you had earned it and you yeah. had finally gotten to almost the pinnacle piece of being the, the fitting, like fitting that last piece into your life where you would mm-hmm. feel whole and God did it in a day. <laughs> yeah. A day. In a, yeah, it's, it is crazy to think about. It's, it's weird. Cause I tell this story and it's still like kind of unbelievable to me, like yeah. who I was and who God has, um, been molding me into, which is just his child. And so I'm just so grateful. Yeah. And that is one of those things where, cause your story uh, is so different from mine because I've been a Christian for 25 years mm-hmm. going on and you've been a Christian for, um, I think it'll be eight years this summer, eight years this summer. Yeah. And and, and we were talking about testimonies before yeah. and talking about God's faithfulness in both of our stories. But it's yeah. beautiful because you have been a worship pastor, a, well, one, you became a husband of a loving wife who was a Christian who led you to the Lord. Praise God. And that, so you became a husband and you finished your ba- bachelor's. Did you get uh, your master's? No. Oh, okay. MDiv so, is like the dream. Yeah. No, yeah, <laughs> same. yeah. But you married a Jesus loving girl, finished at a yeah. Christian university and became a worship pastor, associate pastor, a campus pastor at a university here in Oklahoma mm-hmm. City. And I think that just speaks volumes because you don't have to wait for Jesus to be like, oh, you've been a Christian long enough. You can do something now. That's really interesting. I never even thought about it like that. Yeah. Um, but I, it's interesting because, um, and I'm, this is not me knocking anything I'm about to say. It's just I, I know so many ministry students like, um, I need to do these internships or I need to like do these, take all these steps. And I'm just thinking like, I didn't do any of those. Things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it was like, Oh, is there, is there a need? Like here, help me serve it. And then really, and I believe this. So before I became a worship leader, I told Linda, I wanted to be a worship leader. And she said, that's not how that works. So have you prayed about it? And I said, no, I said, I've been in like a singer and an actor for like, like 12 years. It's like a gifting that the Lord gave me. I was me. like, like uh, I yeah. That. And then she said, Kev, like, you don't even know if God wants you to be a worship leader. And I was like, frick, you know, like that was so humbling, but she, I was like, she's right. And in that moment, I, I'm later on, I prayed by myself and I said, and this was so hard for me. I, I prayed and I said, God, if you never want me to be on a stage or to sing or to talk to a bunch of people in a, in a room ever again, I surrender that to you. Yeah. I'll do whatever you want me to do. You want me, you want me to clean churches? I'll clean churches. You want me to um, fly to this different country and, and tell people about Jesus? I'll do that. I won't have to sing. I won't have to be a worship leader. Just, I'll be in a pew my whole life. Yeah. That's fine. And I, 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 seriously, I was like, that's okay. I think God is enough. Yeah. And then a few weeks later, the worship leader of Linda's youth group just quit. And then like, Kevin, would you be able to cover? And like that started me serving in ministry. Yeah. And it's almost like um, God was almost waiting for me to, to that. surrender that. Yeah. It was kind of like, it was very much an, an Abraham Isaac moment. I yeah. laid down what was still the remnants of really important to me to like, no, 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 God is. And if he, if this is not anymore, but God said, no, no, we're not, we're not going to kill that actually. Um, I'm actually going to use that. Yeah. Um, but it's, it, it just felt like he was waiting to see if, like, um, do you need to do that? Yeah. And so um, when I, in my heart, decided, like, no, I, I just need you, it's like, okay, well, now it's time to get to work. <laughs> yeah. He's like, all right, let's get into this. Yeah. Thing. And, and, like, yeah. 
Um, and for the longest time, I didn't think I was suited for ministry. Like no one should be led by me. I just became a Christian. Like right. I, there's no reason. There are certain steps you need to take, Kevin. You <laughs> yeah. can't be that super Christian yet. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, the, the, I mean, the biggest reason why I went to Mid-America Christian University to begin with was because like, I want to learn more about the Bible, mm-hmm. about leading people in the Bible, about, um, leading worship in a way where I'm not harming anyone's faith. And, um, and yeah, as now it's crazy. Like all the stuff I surrendered, I do all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yeah. preach often. I lead worship often. I'm in front of people often, um, but all for the sake of Christ. Yeah. Also, that people would see Him and not me. And um, you know, people would be shocked. And this is not to sound like super spiritual, holy. Like before preaching, my face is literally on some sort of couch or chair, just like begging God to like speak through me. Like, cause like I never wanted to be like a Kevin show ever. Yeah. Ever since I stopped acting, I was like, God, please, 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 please speak to these people. Make sense out of like my finite, um, knowledge of who you are and your heart. And just like, I, I pray that people can see you and hear from you today. And, um, I believe anything that has happened through me is because of that. Cause I just like try to get out of God's way. Yeah. and try to partner with him. And like, I, I'm just like the vessel, you know? And so, um, yeah, so it's, it's been wild and it's never, I never want to seem like it's about me yeah. when my whole life it's been about me when I was beat Kevin BC, you yeah. know what I mean? And now I'm like, no, 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 God has a stage now and I'm just facilitating what he is wanting to do on earth. Yeah. And so, yeah. One of my, one of my favorite things that you ever talked to God about and publicly is, uh-huh. um, it was in our homiletics class, homiletics too. Uh-oh. And we'd have to do, you know, cause we'd have <laughs> to set up the whole sermon and everything. Uh-huh. And you, you, it's usually like, here's your introduction, uh-huh. verse, pray. And every time you prayed and every time since God, thank you for who you are. Mm-hmm. Would you hide me behind your cross? Mm-hmm. And may my words be your words. Mm-hmm. And that's something I've actually adopted myself. Praise God. I adopted yeah. it from my pastor, Pastor Bo. Like, I remember Dude. hearing that. And I was like, wow. Yeah. I love that. So good. And it's crazy because every time I, that those words come out of my mouth, I feel like this whole weight roll off my shoulders. Like, it's not on you. Yeah. It'll, you know, not by power, not by might, you know, but by the spirit of God, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, man. Well, that's really cool that you remember that. When you said like homiletics, I was like, uh oh, what is he about to say? What did I say? What heresy did I spit out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, no, that is one of my favorite things because that is, like, we're just presenting Jesus every time, the yeah. gospel centered every time we speak the word of God because yeah. that's where it all points to. And, so, and it, it's, it shouldn't be on us. And hallelujah. Yeah. yeah hallelujah. God. It's not If on it us. was, man, we are. Well, we reduce doomed. ourselves to Christian TED Talks. And like motivational speeches, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not trying Come to be on. that guy Come right on. now, but that's Come what it on. is. Keep preaching, if we're not sir. doing it by the Holy Spirit and by God's holy word, what are you doing? And why is the most important question. Why are you doing that? And um, you and I both know we're not in ministry for the money. <laughs> oh, that's the truth. <laughs> um, we're doing it because we, we really want pe- people to be made whole in Christ. And so, but we can't do it on our own. It has to be by the power and word of God. And so, yeah. Yeah, man, there is so much there, but I really believe that God spoke through it. And it's just because you've said it so many times mm-hmm. in your testimony, I think that God, like you've kind of got it to the point where God's got what you have to say. And he's just, I believe that the Lord works in that. But one thing I will say, um, as we're kind of getting close, we're, we're pretty much to the end. Yeah. Is if you had two, two more questions, if you could talk to Kevin pre-Jesus, what would you say to him? What would be your advice? Or anybody that's in the same position, like okay. they're on the cusp of their acting career or they're trying to fill themselves the whole of community in their lives or whatever. If you could speak to somebody like that or just Kevin, what would you say? That's so tough. Um, I was just so stubborn and arrogant, um, which aren't we all at some point? You know, when you're a teenager, you know everything. When you're a young adult, you know even more. <laughs> so, trying to speak to that. Um, your worth and value can never be defined and should never be defined by what you're capable of. 
and I would plead with younger Kevin, if you only knew how loved you are in spite of everything you've done by your creator in heaven, you could be set free from everything you struggle with, your insecurities. And I, I wish, not just younger Kevin, I wish everyone could believe that. I wish people in churches could believe that. Yeah. I, I, I don't think you need to be a non-Christian to wrestle with that. How many Christians do we meet where they, being God's child is not enough? Man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. And and so um I think that's the greatest message, trusting that God loves you. And um I really like what our DYD says. Um uh, Heath Corrales. Yeah, he Heath says Corrales. this one thing. He says God loves you and there's nothing you could do about it. Uh, when yeah. he said that I was like, "Oh my gosh, I love that." I do. I that's forgot so he good. said that. Oh, it's so I good. I forgot he said that, dude. Yeah. Say that again. What was it? Say it. Heath says, um, God loves you and there's nothing you could do about it. Man, that's so good. It's so good. So before I'll ask you this last question yeah. here in a second. Um, I was talking to our youth group last night uh-huh. about worth, self-worth, because mm. uh, just figuring out how we should view God. Yeah. And one of those things was um, he loves you just because you are who you are. Like you're only valuable because he says that you're valuable. So true. And our, our goodness and our righteousness is, is dirty rags compared mm-hmm. to what he's done on his worst day, which he Isaiah baby. One. And <laughs> the one thing I've been reading a book last, last supper on the moon by Levi Lusco. He has a quote in there that says, um, we are human beings, not human doings. Mm-hmm. God loves you because of who you are as Amen. the human being that he created you as, not yeah. because you're a human doing of doing the work of Christ. Yeah. He loves you just as much as the kid who's struggling to love the Lord. And he, as much as somebody that's been a Christian for 25 years or 35 years and been a pastor, and, and he loves you the same. Like Amen. maybe you know the avenues and you've connected more, but he loves you just the same. Yeah. You know? And so... I think that is a beautiful thing. Like God, like he, he loves you and you can do, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, last question. If you had three words to describe Kevin BC, what would they be? Insecure. Broken. Lost. Wow. Yeah. Insecure, broken and lost. Absolutely. And, um, it's crazy that you say that about, you know, Last Supper on the Moon is there's a book club on campus. That's the book they're doing. Oh. And uh, I hear it's amazing. It is but phenomenal. It, but what I've been told, I want to read it. But um, I want to leave with this one thought. In Genesis chapter one, God creates humans and says he saw that they are very good. And good in Hebrew means um, created to be sustained for forever. Um, the pinnacle of wealth, riches pleasant, um, desirable. So thinking about Adam and Eve didn't make a single dollar, do a single task, attain any sort of status or success by any sort of worldly means, and God defined them as, I want you. You are the definition of my wealth I created you to have for forever. And I feel like if we could really believe that and trust that, we can begin to be secure and grounded in our identity in God, but we're still striving. We're still working towards something else. And so I love that you brought that up. It's so good. Wow. I never knew that it translated like that. That is mm. beautiful. It's actually really hard to translate the word good. I don't know if you knew that. I, I preached over it a few weeks. I'm like, good. Um, in this language means good. It's like, okay, that's very unhelpful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. It is beautiful, man. That, that sums it up. That, that mm-hmm. is tying it in a nice little bow. I just want to thank you for coming on. Oh my gosh. Of course. Honoring thank me with you. your time. And I believe that as people listen though. Well, I, I, I want to say first, whoever was listening, um, Gabriel invited me. He gave me a, a parking spot with my name <laughs> on it. He got my favorite drink that's ice cold and gave it to me. Like he's spoiling me. So, um, yeah, I, I, I appreciate your heart, Gabriel. I appreciate what you're doing here in Jones. Um, I, I love your family and, um, just met your pastor, but he seems awesome also. Yeah, 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 so yeah. <laughs> it's, it's great stuff, man. I love what you guys are doing.
Well, thanks, man. Well, we love your family and thank you. Glad you're here. <laughs> and you know, we put honor where honor is due. Amen. So we thank you for being here. Thank God for being in it. And uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Faith and Focus podcast. I hope that you enjoyed this story that gives God the glory. Revelation chapter 12 verse 11 says, And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives even unto death. There's victory in the blood of Christ and there's victory when we tell our stories. So I challenge you today, if you know someone in your life who's going through something similar to the story you heard today, take a moment, pray, and send this podcast to them and see what God will do. And if someone cared enough about you to send you this podcast and you feel a tug on your heart to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, all you got to do is say, Dear God, I know I messed up, but I know you still love me. Will you be the Lord of my life and join me on this journey? If you prayed that prayer today, there's a few things that I would encourage you to do. First, celebrate. This is the most important decision in your entire life. And if someone sent you this podcast, make sure to tell them that you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior so that you can enjoy your newfound hope with your friend. The second thing I would encourage you to do is text the name Jesus, J-E-S-U-S, to the number 27126. When you do that, you'll receive a link with a website with eight short videos that tell you a little bit about the Christian walk without all the Christianese behind it. Lastly, I tell you to find a church, to get plugged into a new community, and find those that would celebrate your newfound joy with you. Also, don't forget you can listen on Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. Thank you guys for all the support, and for all you listeners out there, I'm praying for you, and we will see you in the next one.